0: On this week's full time roundup, City keep pace with Liverpool. Fire Leverkusen put a hand on the Bundesliga title. Real Madrid open the door slightly. And we preface the European midweek football. Full time roundup starts right now. Welcome in, everybody. It is a special, special episode, if I think so. It is. Episode numero 50, 50. Me and Matt have been doing this for 50 episodes now. God help us all. God help us all. That is correct. We are, you know, especially chipper on this Sunday afternoon. It is a beautiful day in Charlotte, North Carolina, around 70, 65 degrees right now. Can't beat it. And it's been also a wonderful weekend of football. Matt, I know we've both been busy this weekend. But how are you doing?
1: Doing well. Uh, of course, we were supposed to have seen each other last night. Um, we do not seem to get that uh, timing right. But uh, yeah, it's been a busy weekend of football. I started my weekend uh, here locally on Friday, and I know uh, you know we were watching some some Charlotte last night, and then uh, wrapped things up with European football, of course, and sprinkled in. And today wrapping things up around around the league so uh 70 degrees all the windows are open here at my place it's it's nice getting some fresh air it's good it's a good time to be in the queen city
0: that is a good point with the windows i'm gonna have to do that myself after this um but to expand on what matt was saying for the last two weekends in a row we've supposed to we have supposed to be at the same place at the same time and i miss matt by like five minutes each time Last week it was because he was shooting photography, didn't realize he was gonna go to the stadium early. That's on me. Um, you know, this one was a whole ordeal with some lost credit cards. That was not my fault and all of this, but no one cares about our lives. That is true, especially the lost the-
1: credit cards part. We can move on from that. They so. care
0: about the football. That's not very nice. And we're gonna jump into the Premier League first. And we're going to start out. With Liverpool winning yet again, this time in the 99th minute, I believe this was the latest Premier League goal ever. And it is by, who else? Darwin Nunez. A hater of Matt, by the way. Um,
1: He hates me? I don't have anything. I didn't didn't know that. I appreciate that he knows that. I I, I... I
0: let him know that you're a hater. Um, But this game... I mean, for a nil-nil for almost the entire game, it was a pretty interesting watch. I thought both teams had a ton of chances and both, you know, lacked that cutting edge until, you know, the very end. Um, Forrest should definitely feel hard done by after this match, 100%. Um, Just a couple other storylines, Shobosly, Endo, and Nunez were back on the bench. Both, All of them appeared um, in the game as substitutes. Um, So... Matt, how long do you think this magical run that Liverpool is currently on can last?
1: Uh, we have a game in, I believe it's two weeks. So we'll find One. out then. Not even think, next week. Yeah, next Sunday, I think, Sunday, next I think week. actually. Yeah. So we'll find out. Um, I think the run ends next week. We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, this was a, a really interesting game. You mentioned Forrest being hard done. I think you know that's two weeks in a row where they've played pretty well um, and they haven't gotten a result out of it. So, you know, I think also on top of that, well, last week, excuse me, they, they didn't play that great against Aston Villa, but uh, they've had moments in this instance where they've played well and they haven't gotten results. And so I think the league was pretty happy to to give Jurgen Klopp as much time as needed to get a goal here on this one. And, and of course, keep that that contest going with the title race. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, like I said, next week, the big one on Sunday. If you haven't blocked your calendars off and you're a Premier League fan, Anfield is going to be absolutely rocking when Manchester City comes to town. Uh, and so that's going to be the, the ultimate game. We've touched on it a couple episodes now. Daniel, that that's going to kind of be the first of the tone setting games for Manchester City. They, of course, will have Arsenal at the end of this month as well. So that's going to be you know, the first leg, like I said, uh, and could be the end of the run for Liverpool. I wouldn't say maybe a loss takes them completely out of it, but I think once you you feel that momentum kind of change and and, and city takes advantage of it, um, that could be a big a big a big week. Uh, but this this game versus Forest was was just as important. Could have been a trap game looking ahead to that, of course, and they take care of business uh you mentioned some of the players that were still out and so that's a it's a big opportunity for some other players to come in and get a chance to to rotate the squad which they've been able to do and and they beat southampton midweek and they win here against forest of course they have uh, prague on thursday in the europa league so another chance to kind of get some rotation for some of these youngsters and some more opportunity to get them a little bit more experience as, as they go into the rest of the season
0: yeah i knew you were going to throw that bs in with the 99th minute um Just uh, just to explain this, and I did explain this to you, and you still did this, but DeNeo and another player, Morgan Gibbs-White, were both booked for time-wasting, and there was a head injury slash VAR check in the first part of the stoppage time. So that is why it went to two minutes later, just to explain it wasn't because anything Liverpool did; it was because of the Forest players did it to themselves. So, just want to get that out in the open. But I guess it's okay to have the discussion now. We mentioned City a lot. They had the Manchester derby today, played for the second time the season. Now have won both um, by a combined scoreline of five. You know that, and they they kind of traded wonder goals. First, it was the Rashford hit, just an absolute banger. Then Phil Foden said, "You know what? Hold my beer, weak foot." If he even has a weak foot and hits it top cheese as well, so I couldn't believe first that City went down to start this match out, and it took them a while to get up the speed to get that first one in. It took a, a moment of magic, and then it was one-one for a while with, and then United was just playing a very low block, and it seemed like City. I, in my opinion, at least struggled to break them down. Um, Obviously the goal goals with an S came, um, but it, it was a, it was a pretty interesting game to watch at least. And maybe Liverpool has a little bit of a blueprint here and there on some of city's weaknesses that they can kind of pounce on if they, you know, are going to, to beat city next week.
1: I'd be very concerned if I'm Liverpool. I I saw this game a little differently than you did, I think. Um, Of course, Manchester City were absolutely all over United, right out of the jump. Um, Uh Chance, you know, two minutes in almost to to open the scoring. Uh, Of course, Erling Haaland missed a couple opportunities that were just... The sitter was bad. The sitter was really bad. Um, And and it would have changed the entire complexion of the game, right? Of course, if, if Manchester City score first, the way that... Manchester United wanted to play this game was to to sit in that low block and counter attack, which is what they did for the goal, you know, very direct out of the, out of the back from Onana. And then, you know, Bruno Fernandes takes the ball as he receives it middle of the field, moves up the pitch a little bit and then drops it off almost like a drop pass uh, in hockey, if you will, from, you know, out double, you know, through the neutral zone, drop pass to Rashford, who hits an absolute worldie. And, and that was exactly what you wanted. If you're, if you're a United fan and a United player, or Eric Ten Hag, just the way the game started. But like I said, though, this was absolute domination from start to finish. And if Manchester City had put a put a goal in early, it changes the entire way that Manchester United has to play the game. They have to come out, you know, at least at some point they would have to come out and, and be a little bit more aggressive. And then there's your opportunity for City to counter. And, and of course, you know, push the high line up, and, and Holland can play in behind. That would have changed things considerably. They do kind of get, you know, an, an equalizer, which is a wonder goal as well. Some some question about whether Kyle Walker makes a inadvertent interference on that goal. You can. Should we uh, get into that? Uh, what do you I, think? I, I honestly didn't see it, um, so I, I'm not really the one to be asking about. I, I was kind of walking around and doing stuff around the place, and and John Champion on on Peacock uh, coverage here in the states absolutely just enthralled me with his his call of the goal. So I I immediately looked up and and saw what a wonder goal it was. But I I didn't see the Kyle Walker situation. So I don't I don't have anything to say on it. But
0: it was one of those when you're kind of grappling the other player as you're running together. I think that Rashford went down very easily. And look like I don't want any of these teams to win. So this is like a completely unbiased take from me. Like I just I mean that's just you it's the Premier League. It's a physical league. It's a contact sport. Like, it is. And so, like, I don't think he pulled him back. I think they were just running together. I mean, there were a few times where I thought a foul could have been called in the game. That was not one of them. So I was okay with the advantage there. Um, but, you know, I feel like some people might, might disagree. But that was just my interpretation of the rules and, and kind of how the game was being played out.
1: You say that you were not rooting for either team to win. Uh, that is somewhat false, as there was some oh, back and forth uh, in our group text this morning about whether or not uh, Daniel wanted Manchester City or Manchester United to win. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there for the listeners. Please, if you are a Liverpool fan, feel free to just teach Daniel who the most hated team in your, in your existence is and, and whether or not you would... Feel comfortable rooting for them uh, at any given point in time. Of course, Daniel has mentioned to us that he would prefer to be a winner and therefore he rooted for Manchester United today so that City would drop points. Uh, I, I will leave that on the floor for everybody yeah. else to the side. But that's where he up. stood on it.
0: That See, I just couldn't believe, believe this. Who would you say? I just think that's loser talk. All right. I there, I can hate Manchester United for 364 days out of the year. But this was a huge game before we play them. We need them, we need Manchester City to drop points. So whoever plays Manchester City, it could be Everton. It could be Manchester United. It could be anyone. I do not care. I want, I'm going to pull for that team to make Manchester City lose. I mean, now you that is loser talk. I want, I have my eyes on the trophy, Matt, not mid-table. I have my eyes on the trophy. And so I'm going to pull for whoever I have to pull for every single week against Manchester city. That is just how it's done.
1: That's real. How it's done. Real winner talk would want them to win every week. And then when you play them head to head, that's when you win. And no, I'm just that's saying very you that's, stupid. That, very stupid. That's very, stupid. I'm just saying I, who is your, who's saying. your
0: rival? Who's your rival?
1: Well, Spurs is our biggest rival. Okay. Okay. So, and I would like the stadium to implode anytime that they're playing someone. So sure. It's-
0: sure. Sure. But if you're, all right, say they're playing Manchester Manchester City and you are one point behind Manchester Manchester City, but you just like you're going to play a cupcake game tomorrow and Spurs play Manchester Manchester City, you're still gonna choose or pull for City? Is that what you I would me? choose
1: for the stadium to implode. I would choose for neither. <laughs> Just nuke, I would community. root for new. I would, I would go Bane, I would go full Bane style and just say, Hope that that happens. And I would root for neither team because I hate both teams. Not that I hate City, there's no reason to, other than that there's really good. But yeah, I could never say I'm going to support Spurs. Period. End of story.
0: That's petty. That's know. rivalry. We, we, we've we've learned a lot about Matt today, we've learned a lot about me today. That's but, called rivalry. Okay, that's rivalry. All right, but we can move on. But we wanted to at least discuss that real quick. But yeah, it was a good game. I mean, the inevitable happened. We both called it. We both were yeah. texting each other. Look, it's going to happen. You know, Holland definitely should have had them level by halftime. Anyways, it was. It was. I mean, especially when Johnny Evans was subbed for like the 18 year old academy kid. That's just kind of when most people, I would say, knew that it was going to happen. It happened, and you know now they're one point back from Liverpool. So and- great game.
1: Great oh, game. Sorry. And I, I think the one thing that really stands out to me is just how far away Manchester United are. Right. And, and I do, you know, they're just so distant to the top three. And you can almost say even say the top four, just given where they are in the standings. But the way that City played, you never felt like Manchester United was going to win this game. Like I said, it started. Stat. I would love to hear it. And I know I think I know the stat, but it it was from the start. Like I said, they were they were on top of them. You know, and then you mentioned kind of the the subs, they brought off Rashford at at one one and you felt like they were kind of going to be conceding and wanting to get the draw um, versus, you know, ever trying to get that one, one other opportunity to go and maybe get a a counterattack or a free kick, you know, that happens. And so to me, it felt like, like Eric Ten Hag was, was more than pleased to get a one one draw. You know, Manchester United hadn't lost a game in nine years after going into halftime, uh, with a lead, um, So, you know, you feel pretty comfortable if you're if you're 10 hog, but you're playing against Manchester City at home, you know, to, to think that you could sit in a block for 45 minutes and, and not give up one um, is a little bit naive, in my opinion. And, and to, the way that they approach this game, you know, I think, again, just is a testament to just how far that Manchester United needs to, to improve top to bottom. And there have been rumblings that we've heard recently about Ineos is not too comfortable with Eric Ten Hag, even given the results of late. Uh, and so, you know, I, I do think you're going to see a pretty big shift uh, from, you know, all, all throughout the club uh, pretty here, here pretty soon.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you saw that sex, sex, sets Fabregas comment before the, the weekend about how he doesn't see a direction with Ten Hag's philosophy here. Um, so that's an interesting video to go watch if, Uh, You haven't already. But my first stat was Manchester City had more shots in this game than Manchester United had possession. That was 27 shots to 26% possession. That's a stat for you. I know you'll like that. And number two, I had a little gripe about how Pep sets up his wingers. You know, we saw Grealish come in and – for like a hundred million and all, he doesn't really take players on as much as many people would like him to. I think the same is starting to happen to Doku. I mean, he's a lightning in a bottle. I feel like he could break that low block easily with his pace and skill. And he just refused to today. And you'll see Phil Foden on the other side. He created that goal because he took guys on. He was constantly going at defenders. That's a small gripe, a very small gripe. And it might just be how they were set up today. But I would just like to see Jeremy Doku in these kind of matches just go at their man constantly.
1: And I I mean I'd love to get tactical for just a second. I know we don't we don't normally get that way on, on this show too much, but to your point, I mean there was there, Manchester United never let Doku get one on one with Delo They they always had a man Real. come over and, and bring, you know, either um garnacho was supposed to be as that was his as, that was his side and if he didn't bruno fernandez came over and and double teamed and so yes you, you would love to see him go take on a take on a winger or a defender by himself one-on-one there were instances when he did it and he he certainly got the better of delo and and again you could see how um hesitant or how nervous he was and, and telling Garnacho, I need your help. I need you to come back. And then, you know, they they flipped the wingers in the second half when they brought on Alvarez and Foden went on the left hand side, of course, with the injury and and taking out Johnny Evans, they also flipped the low. So you had a, a youngster against Phil Foden and he felt like he was a little outnumbered and felt a little bit out of place. He, he kind of came in a little tighter to the to the center backs just to have some support there. And Phil Foden had plenty of room to run on the left-hand side and, and took full advantage of it. Now, also the other thing about Phil Foden, you don't know where he plays. He he doesn't have a true position under Pep. He's that good. He really just drifts at, He drifts and floats and he's in the right place at the right time. And so I, I totally hear you on, on Doku. Uh, of course, Jack Relish pulled up with an injury midweek. And so it seems like Doku's really your only option over there. But he he scares the living crap out of defenders with his speed oh, sure. and, and his pace, and and so yes, he gets the benefit of the doubt. And if you see more teams do what Manchester United did today, I, I guarantee you Pep Guardiola will find a way to make Doku effective and and have success going forward. I mean, he's almost tempting teams to do that because then there's an extra man that's wide open, and and you don't want to do that for against Manchester City.
0: Can't agree more. Now we can't you know, this not include Arsenal in the title talk. They play tomorrow against Sheffield, so. Um, keep your eye on that. It is at Sheffield, so that might be a small little wrinkle in in how Arsenal play and how that game could take place, but more than likely we will probably see a, a fairly large scoreline there in Arsenal's favor. I did take
1: Sheffield uh, in my underdogs bets, so probably going to win for Arsenal, but I took them as a chance. You're,
0: chance. you're a good guy, Matt. You're a good guy. Um, but, but we wanted to pivot not to the title race but to European football. And so kind of going off that, Villa, win in an absolute thrilling game to Luton Town here. And there's just one thing I wanted to say. I'm going to miss Luton if they go down because their games at home are the best watches in the entire Premier League. It's goals galore. You know, they they always have a shot. Sometimes they they take a lead. Sometimes they have a big lead that they come back
1: from. And
0: this game kind of had it all as it was a five-goal thriller.
1: I, I do agree with you that it would be sad to see them go down. I, I don't think they go down. Um the way that they play at, and you said it at home. They have that style that they want to play, of course. They're four points, you know, behind Nottingham Forest right now, who who continue to struggle. Uh, you know given who they're playing and, and, and what they have to do, they have a game in hand on forest. So that game could be a one point gap there. And then again, we've talked about it, you know, the way that they play at home and, and they have a lot of games at home still to go, Daniel. I mean, they play forest at home on march 16th which is a huge six-pointer in in the way that things are shaping up right now they'll play bournemouth at home they'll play brentford at home they'll play everton and fulham at home i mean the way that the schedule is lining up they're all winnable matches and or at least they can get points and those are against teams that they need to beat or get points against you know in the in the race so i don't think that they're out quite yet Uh, on the flip side though villa have been much better after a really poor stretch of games um, that we talked about. And Unai Emery has found a way to kind of get this team settled now. Pretty comfortable um, in the fourth spot, five points clear of Spurs, although Spurs have a game in hand, but it does feel like Villa's found a way to kind of settle and right the ship now. There's three wins in a row. Um, And so they kind of feel like they found their groove back And, and no European football. And one thing I do want to talk about Later on, is just you—you re- you really see the impacts of teams that aren't used to the having European football as part of their schedule, and, and it does take a huge toll on them. You're looking at teams like like Newcastle this year. Villa had a run. We talk about La Liga and Real Sociedad. What happened to that? It's just, it just—it takes a really big toll on on some teams, and if you're not used to it, um, it it can set you back. And and luckily, Unai Emery was able to to flip the switch pretty quick and get Villa back and, and ready to go.
0: Without a doubt. And they also rested players in this match and still won. Musa Diaby came off the bench. Uh, a couple other players did as well. But one player I wanted to talk about just real quick, Ollie Watkins. He's now at 26 goal contributions for the season. Definitely his best season um, so far in his career. He has five goals in three games. So pretty, pretty dang good for that. And, uh, you know, I think there will start to be more and more talks about, is he going to be on the plane to euros? Is he going to try to go move to a team like arsenal, stuff like that. So he is in frightening form. Um, we kind of talked about last, so don't want to bore you with it again, but just wanted to mention he scores a brace in the, in this game. So just wanted to kind of glaze him for a little bit and just how good and how good of form he's in. Um, also we have, you mentioned Spurs is five points, um, you know, behind them. well, They had a tale of two halves against Crystal Palace, a nil-nil first half, very boring, not many chances, but then this match absolutely sprung to life with four goals in the second half, starting off with an Eze Wonder goal off a free kick.
1: Yeah, you're starting to see Paul Glasner uh, and his style of play. Of course, he's now had a little bit more time with this team uh, at, at, at Crystal Palace, um, and so he's starting to kind of get shape and and they're going to be a good side. And we've talked about before, if, if Eze and Olise are, are healthy, this is an entirely different squad than when they're out. Of course, they have not been healthy most of the season. But Spurs were definitely the better team here. And they showed it in the second half, like you mentioned. We've always talked about, though you do expect Spurs to give up opportunities and chances just the way that Ange wants to play. And so luckily they're playing against a a, a crystal palace team that doesn't have the firepower that could really, really hurt them. Uh, And of course, Yun Ming Sun gets a a, a really nice goal there as well to kind of settle things down for Spurs. And, and now they're they're like I said, between them and Villa uh, it's a little bit of a gap. And so Spurs kind of feels nice in their, their little fifth or sixth place, you know, depending on if United can catch them. I, I don't, foresee that happening being six points clear of them and so you're just kind of looking at spurs now at this point to get the project started um you know understanding what they need going forward gives angel a little bit more time to to get some players rotated in throughout the rest of the season understand his roster who he has available what he needs to add in the summer um, and, and still kind of secure a place in european football if things go awry and, and for villa and you can sneak into that fourth spot fantastic. Uh, but I think for now, you're you're looking at a pretty sp- safe spot in fifth and, and getting Europa League, which for Spurs is probably a good opportunity for a trophy next year, more so than Champions League.
0: Absolutely. And just one other thing from this match, Brennan Johnson's substitution coming on made the difference. So, you know, praise to Ange for making that substitution. And then Brennan Johnson, well done, two assists, completely, you know, started that that comeback and that first assist that he had just would not stop. He just ball kept ricocheting between defenders, just kept going, kept going, kept going and then squared it across for, I believe it was Timo Werner to open up the scoring for Spurs to tie it up. So wanted to give Brennan Johnson, a shout out and just a tiny wrinkle here. Spurs do have a game in hand on Villa. It is against your Chelsea. So a big rivalry game so that I wouldn't call that three points by any means. But it is Chelsea at the same time, so you never know. But um, if they did say they did win that game, then they would be only two points behind Villa, so it's still not out of the question. But it really that that you know extra game whenever it is scheduled will be a very interesting fixture just for how Champions League versus Europa League ball is going to to end up here. Um, on the other hand, I wanted to just kind of quickly touch on a couple other games that happened i thought fulham beating brighton handily without palina you know Raul jimenez just to name a few uh three 0. um is it is there be luster kind of coming off this Brighton team or is Brighton just so injured and then like you said the the uh european competitions is that really affecting them as of now
1: yeah i think it's a little bit of all of the above um of course you know matoma being hurt and we saw that impact in the midweek too at the you know uh cup level uh losing to wolves and uh, fa cup as well so i think i think it's a little bit of both i think Derby De needs some they lost a lot of pieces in the summer as well which people need to remember you know mcallister Casado. regardless how Casado is playing at chelsea he was a, a force for brighton last season uh and then you mentioned some of the injuries you know Stupin hasn't been consistently healthy this year either um ferguson has not been playing evan ferguson hasn't been in great form of late so you know i think there's a lot of a lot of factors here i think brighton are probably right where they need to be in the table um to be honest and you know i think they're fighting for that conference league spot or maybe that last europa league spot with with the likes of uh west ham and and manchester united um so i think they're kind of right where they expected to be um, they do have young talent coming through the system and so i think deserve fine unless he jump ship to a, a different job, which obviously there's a lot of openings and he's certainly a, a high candidate with a lot of interest, given the way he's set up Brighton and the way that they play. And, and we'll see what happens uh, going forward. But I, I think given everything that happened this year for Brighton, I wouldn't have expected them any any other place on the table or not too much difference, to be honest.
0: I think it's a very fair take. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side on you with this one. Um, another game that I thought was interesting, just based off the managers, a Deitch and Moyes game. I mean, two old school managers here. Um, West Ham ended up winning three, one. Are we still, even with the points deduction and then, you know, adding another four points back, are we still worried about Everton and their fate
1: for the premier league? Absolutely. I, I I mean, I think I've been pretty harsh on Everton all season and it hasn't changed because they got six points or four points back. Um, They're bad. They're very bad. And so if you're an Everton fan, you're not really comfortable quite yet. Uh, We touched on some of the games that Luton has. And and one of those games is Everton at home. So that's another big game. And and if Luton get anything out of those five or six games that I mentioned, I'm not sure if Everton can get enough points. Um, you know, and we're getting close to that season mark where where I'm curious what you think. Let's take out Burnley and check out Sheffield from the conversation. Uh, they're, they're down. Um, what, what is the number in your opinion? You know, that's, that's safe this season. We're, we're currently at 20 for Luton right now. I mean, if Luton can get to 30, are they safe? Can Everton, does that mean, can Everton get five more points from here on out? I mean, that's, that's kind of where you're doing your math now is, is what is the number that Luton needs to get to and and can, can Everton catch that or match it?
0: Yeah. Everton have to play United, Liverpool, Chelsea and Arsenal on the final day. So, and they're
1: not comfortable against anybody against palace. We saw how bad they were, you know, can beat them. I mean, I don't know, man. I just don't know if they can get to 35 points or thirty thirty-three 33 points and clear themselves from that gap. I mean, that's a big number for Luton to get 13 points from here, but if they can get, like I said, 10 points, that's a really tight race.
0: Really just depends on the second charges of FFP, to be honest. So we'll see kind of how that unplays. Um, if you don't know who men and blazers is definitely recommend you follow them, but Raj and Everton fan Made one of the funniest videos I've ever seen when it came to the third West Ham goal. Um, So I I highly encourage you to go watch that. It made me uh, cackle, I guess you could say. Um, Speaking of wonder goals, just wanted to throw that out there. Johan Vissa, take a bow with his nice bike. We don't have to dive into that game because it's a feel-good Sunday and we don't want to ruin your vibe today so i'm not gonna make you unpack pretty bad pretty bad, draw. Half. Just There's bad Chelsea. Half. Um, so sorry not sorry about that but i'm gonna go ahead and spare you just other you know things that went ha- or went down newcastle beat wolves three 0 um i think that's the only one we really haven't covered oh bournemouth got a huge one. we talked about they've been winless in eight they were able to bounce back against the terrible burnley Um, so those are the other results that happened, but let's go ahead and and pivot to Germany. Um, Leverkusen, ten points now from Bayern with their win over Cone. I have never seen outside backs have this much of a say in a team's goal scoring output before. Grimaldo and Frempong both on the score sheet. Again, it's it's just remarkable.
1: It is. I mean, they, they play,
0: uh, they they play play the right wing back. They play very high.
1: Yeah. And so it's a little different to look at it that way versus traditional fullbacks. And obviously they have the most possession in most games that they're playing. So they have the opportunity to to do go, to do go forward. They have the opportunity to go forward more so than if they're, you know, kind of on the defensive or or counterattacking. But I mean, Grimaldo's left foot, it might be one of the best left foots in the game. Uh, Just what he does consistently week in, week out, you know, free kicks, uh, open play goals. You mentioned Frimpong, who's been, you know, stellar down the right hand side. It'll be interesting, Daniel, to see if both of those guys stay next year or who, who picks them up. You know, we talked about it a few weeks ago in, in offline about Frimpong maybe going to Bayern Munich. They could use a right winger or a right wing back, um, depending on how they, that new manager that's going to go in and wants to play. Uh, and it's very typical for Bayern to, to steal the best players in the Bundesliga. And, and those two are obviously up there, of course. Florian Wurz, how can you not talk about Bayer Leverkusen without talking about him, again, continues to just shine at 20 years old. And, um, you know, you just, you just wonder where he's going to end up and how high his ceiling is. So this team is, is again, it's in their, it's in their hands, uh, and it's really becoming not in their hands and almost Byron giving it to them as they continue to drop points against teams that you would not expect them to drop points against. Of course, Bayern need to keep winning, but they, they seem to be doing that. And you count that with, with Byron dropping points against a Freiburg, um, Bob's your uncle. Give him the trophy now.
0: Bob's your uncle. Never heard that one before. Um, just wanted to read a tweet by Derek Ray, who's very big into the Bundesliga atmosphere. Um, he said right now, maybe
1: one of the most connected guys in the Bundesliga. Honestly, I think
0: he works for ESPN Plus as well. So you'll probably you probably hear his voice when you listen and tune into Bundesliga games if you're an American. But he says right now, Leverkusen are in position to complete one of the most sensational seasons ever. Their points total is amongst the highest in history. One of the best teams in Europe anywhere in their current glide. They're still unbeaten in like 30 plus. And instead of just shelling out millions and millions of dollars, they cleverly built a squad rather than pure cash, which most teams tried. So I wanted to read that tweet because I think you could not sum up Bayer Leverkusen better than how he did. So I just wanted to mention that, but we've talked about Bayer. You mentioned Bayern handing Bayer the trophy, which I think is still a little harsh, but Bayern do, like you said, tie to Freiburg 2 2. I mean, golly, they are. I haven't seen Bayern play this poorly in a season for feels like a very, very, very long time.
1: Yeah, I predicted 2-0. Freiburg on the show. Um, so I was close. They got the about two that. goals, um, yeah. you know, that they, and they were up one nil as well on Byron. Byron had to come back. Of course, Jamal Musiala had wonder goal, uh, you know, that he just kind of took upon himself and, and created kids, kids keep forgetting that he's only 20 years old as well. Another absolute sens- sensational talent in the Bundesliga. Uh, just, you know, this team has been very disappointing this season, but he's been one of the the key shining moments for them. There's pieces on this team. You know, Harry Kane's got 27 goals. I think it is in 24 games. There's, there's elements here that you just wonder where the missing link is or what's the cause of of these problems for Bayern Munich. Of course, in the back, they've been very leaky, you know, midfield with Goretzka and Kimmich not getting consistent minutes or, or, you know, comfortability with with Tuchel and his system. It, It just feels like it's, it's inevitable, and of course, it is inevitable with him announcing that he's not returning next season. But you know, if things go wrong on Wednesday or Tuesday, I believe they play Tuesday. Uh, you know, he's out even sooner. Um, it just feels like that's the the link here that has been the the problem the whole time. And even last year when he came in and took over for Nagelsmann, they didn't play that that great. They kind of squeaked by. Of course, uh, Borussia Dortmund hands in the trophy on the last day, losing or drawing to Mainz at at home. Um, but it wasn't a very fun. Bayern Munich to watch, uh, and and they continue that this season. So, it's been really disappointing, of course. And you know, you just wanted to see a good title race. You still, if you're the neutral, after 11 or 12 seasons of Bayern Munich winning it, you're happy to see a new team win it, of course. But you would have liked it to have been a little bit more competitive versus a 10 point gap right now. And uh, I know you said it's a little bit still early. Um, I was under the camp that it was early for me now it's over. Uh, and, and kind of, you know, I feel like, I feel like it's almost inevitable that the, uh, the Meister Shilin will end up in Bayern this year.
0: Absolutely. And I tweeted out on the account cause Matisse tell I've been calling for him every single week to start great goal, too, games. by the way. And he goes and re- doesn't respond to my tweet per se, but he goes and scores an absolute worldy to open up the scoring there. So Play him every single game. Play Musial every single game. Play, play Pavlovich every single game. Those three players, your young players, that's your new core. Screw everyone else. Figure it out. Obviously, Harry Kane as well. But they at least know that they have players that they can look forward to in the future. And they're just going to have to regroup a lot this summer. Now, I they will. To pro- they will, by the way,
1: they- just to put a finer point yeah, on it. They, they will. Munich. Sure. They'll be fine next season.
0: No doubt. No doubt. But I wanted to mention Stugart who get a huge away win versus Wolfsburg. Um, they're four points behind Bayern right now. Only four points. It's, I think that's very interesting. Um, obviously, Dortmund is 10 points back, so that doesn't seem very likely to catch up. But Stuttgart's hot right now. I mean, Grossi, you know, has scored a brace, but he has 20 goals this season. Should we reevaluate who's going to get second at this stage, or do you think Bayern are going to just – be have enough juice to kind of finish the season or are they just going to limp off and into third
1: this it's a strange season. So normally I would say, yes, they have the juice, but they might limp into third and they'd be comfortable with that um, as much as they can be. There's not, there's really nothing they can do for Bayern Munich. It's winter, nothing really for, for most seasons. And so if they finish third, I don't know if it really changes anything as if they finish second uh, financially it doesn't make any difference to them. Uh, you don't get into a different cup like in La Liga, if you finish second versus third Um, they're still going to be in champions league. I I could see Stuttgart snagging second place. It would be, it would be a story, Um, story, but it, but it also, you know, I could see Bayern Munich also still finding a way to, to continue that run of of finishing second. Um, I don't think, I don't know when the last time they finished or where they finished when, when Borussia Dortmund won the title 11 years ago, I'm sure it was second, but um, you know, either, either way, if you're Bayern Munich you're fine if you finish second or third just because in that in that room winning is all that matters for them
0: no doubt now just quickly to cover Dortmund Duby, Union Berlin to get back on track they're getting healthier and healthier so keep a keep an eye out on them they're six points from Stuttgart currently and then Leipzig crush Bochum um that's a big be- race
1: though it's a big race one point between those two sp- for for Champions League
0: exactly so you know the, Leipzig do concede first, but they react well. Simmons continues just to have a wonderful season. One point from Dortmund, so it seems like Leipzig and Dortmund are going to really duke it out. Maybe Stuttgart can be thrown in there if they kind of have a a couple matches of bad form, but it's really going to be up to Dortmund and Leipzig to decide who's going to be in the Champions League spot, and right now it's a little too early, or I just don't feel comfortable making a call on that. Do you?
1: I feel Dortmund have enough. Um, I'm not comfortable with Marco Rosa, even though I took them to be the winner of the league at the beginning of the season. Um, call me crazy for that one. I, I admit that. Um, but I do think Terzic has just enough firepower to get over the line. I don't think that long-term, and we've talked about it, that Terzic is the guy for for Borussia Dortmund, but I think this season to get them to, to fourth, I think there's just just enough in the tank, um, and it's a big deal for them to finish in the way that they're modeled and the way that they play uh, Borussia Dortmund needs to be in the champions league uh, year in, year out. And so, um, you know, it'll be interesting, but I, I do think they hang on just enough. And then, like you said, similar to to uh, premier league with those guys that we talked about between fourth and fifth and, and, you know, and potentially six, if, if Stuttgart slip here or there, can, can those guys jump uh, Borussia Dortmund and Leipzig jump them? Who knows? But uh, I, I still feel there's enough there for, for Stuttgart to keep in this champions league spot. Yeah.
0: And a couple other storylines I wanted to hit on real quick. Darmstadt loses six nil to Augsburg, who is not very good either. What a disgraceful, disgraceful performance. It was like five nil by the 35th minute. I don't think I've ever seen as bad personal errors as I did in this match. So just disgusting. They're going to go down um, very quickly. So no doubt on that. And then Heidenheim's keeper had one of the most unluckiest own goals I've ever seen. The uh, the defender passed it back, and as he goes to hack it up, the ball takes a quick nod right over his foot into the goal. So that's got to be one of the most unluckiest things to happen to a keeper I've seen in, in recent memory, so I wanted to touch on that. But we mentioned in the intro, Madrid opens up a little bit of light for Girona, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Um, With a draw here to Valencia, they came back from 2-0 down, um, and then there was absolute scenes in extra time as the referee called the game as a cross went into the box and Jude Bellingham scores, making it no goal and a draw. I would love to hear your take on this.
1: Uh, I have a lot of thoughts, um, and I've been having a back and forth with a friend of mine earlier today who thinks I'm out of my mind on this one. Let's let's get the the obvious out of the way. The red card should be appealed. That that should be or repealed. Excuse me. It will be appealed by by Real Madrid if it hasn't already. I think it has been this morning, um, and so I think that should be rescinded. Um, there's no need for that red card to happen. I don't think uh, Jude Bellingham was yelling anything at the ref and more at the situation. If you look at the the way things broke down and just it just it's not necessary. Now, the discussion about the actual call itself and how that played out it's it's a tricky one because the ref blew the whistle and so the game is over it, it reg- i mean that's it's that it's kind of that simple um but i understand that there's more ramifications to that and the way things played out and the way it kind of it evolved into a goal after it and all that jazz it it, it really is that simple that the ref blew the whistle and, and and ultimately the game is over you look at other sports and i understand that soccer football Uh, is a little different than other sports where there's a clock. And once the clock goes to zero, that you can still keep going. Uh, In basketball, hockey, when it hits zeros, if the ball does not go through the net before zero, zero, if the puck doesn't cross the line, it's not a goal. In this instance, the ref blues whistle. That is the official way of ruling the game over or completed. So in that sense, simplistically, yes, there's nothing wrong with the call. Now, I understand, like I said, you have to look at the factor. It was 97 or it was plus seven when they were in the 98th and 30. There was some extra time that should have been added on for VAR check or yellow cards handed out, whatever the, the decision was. That that really doesn't play into this, though. And again, if you're looking at it just simplistically, the ref blew his whistle, and that's really what it boils down to. And I know it, everyone's going to say, well, he was it was in the play of the action. You don't blow the whistle at the end of the or during action. He can blow his whistle whenever he wants. He's the ref. And at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's, the, that's my view on it. Um, but I, I do understand both sides of it because I've, I've played the game. And when that happens, you're, you're furious. You, you're, you can't believe it. You've, you know, you're mid you're in the box or you're just outside it the cross, It
0: felt like it felt like right as he was crossing it, he blew it, which is a tough time to decide. the blow it, and, it, and so it. I
1: get that. I do get it. But at the end of the day, that's, that's the rules that we play by. That's what the rules that all these players have played their entire careers by. So,
0: Yeah. I'll agree with you on that one. I, I also think that Madrid has come across some very favorable referee decisions throughout the season, historically speaking. So, you know, this one probably wasn't the worst thing that could possibly happen. They still got a draw at the end of the day. But obviously, when you see the ball go in the net seconds later after the call, that, that's going to hurt for sure. So when did Glees cover that? I thought you, you covered that pretty eloquently, Matt, so I, I can't disagree. But I wanted to get to Girona. You know, Alpha big loss. I was singing their praises last last week, but now they they go and lose to Mallorca. But Mallorca, what a week it's been for them! They go to the Copa del Rey finals, beating Real Sociedad, punching above their weight, and then they go. This could be a huge letdown spot for them after emotional midweek, and they beat Girona, who is challenging Barcelona, Real Madrid, and everyone else for Champions League spot what a week
1: yeah of course Mallorca beat Girona as well in Copa del Rey just before this so twice now they, they beat did. Girona um and so this is again I, I don't know where they found this form um it's great to see um of course they they get an early goal and then kind of hang on for dear life to be honest um Girona threw you know everything in the kitchen sink um to to try and get the point here they 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 played well and and Mallorca just hung on and um again you saw the game afterwards, uh, Barcelona and, and Bilbao play. I'll, I'll use Bilbao just because sometimes I get a little tripped up with that with the different athletic clubs. Um, the, the draw is not the best result for Girona, um, just because of how tight the, the table is now going to get. Uh, we talked about how if they continue to lose, they could free fall down out of the top four, which they've been, of course, at the top or within the top four all season long. So now you know, you look at the table. Uh, Bilbao is only nine points away from Girona. You know, of course, Barcelona, one point behind Atleti, four points behind. Um, and so this, this table aside from Real Madrid, who we touched on, it has opened the door slightly, uh, now only seven points clear of Barcelona, uh, eight points, excuse me, I can't do math, uh, with the game and, you know, they still play each other. We've talked about El Clasico. the, the way that this could work out for Girona, if you're the, if you're concerned or the way I'm looking at it potentially is that, those three teams, Barcelona, Atleti, and and Bilbao, get really tight, and you slip as Girona and you you get jumped by all three. Um, so that that would be my concern, and and the more points that you drop against a team like Mallorca, um, that's that's really potentially what could happen, and, and and probably where they sit. You know, they sat last year; they finished ninth. Uh, Mallorca jumped them on the last day of the season to get you know ahead of them in the table. So again, that's kind of where I've I've envisioned. Uh, Girona all season. It was a great story, but I still think there's enough time for them to slip a little bit further. And you saw that the way they played today, they just weren't the same team that they have been throughout the course of the season. And and that's the main concern is that the magic kind of has worn off a little bit.
0: Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see if they can at least just keep pace with the top four and get a Champions League spot, which would still be absolutely fantastic. So, you know, Stuttgart and Girona are kind of our darlings here on the show right now. Um, just punching above their weight, and we'll see if they can keep it up. Now, Barcelona, Bilbao just recently finished up. Um, stop me if this if you've heard uh, me say this before, but both De Jong and Pedri are injured. Not good for Barcelona at all. Um, and you know this game with those injuries became very boring very fast.
1: Yeah, very boring. Uh, of course, the injuries are huge you're worried about Pedri again, because this is just, he's 21 years old and and continue. You forget he's only 21 years old, by the way. Um, and you know, another quad injury, it looks like from the way that he kind of was pulled up and, and just kind of walked off the field, you feel for the kid because he's tried so hard to come back and then he gets another setback. And so you just wonder in his head, what can I do to, to fix this or get over this, uh, whether or not it's a long-term injury, I, you got to play him safe with him. Um, and then Frankie DeYoung lands awkwardly and rolls his ankle. My main concern that I don't know if anyone talked about was that someone that the defender also kind of extended the leg um, the way that the foot fell on at first. So it wasn't just a rolled ankle. It kind of looked like the, the the muscle extends and then it rolls. So you just wonder if I'm not a doctor, uh, but a high Seems ankle like sprain for sure. High ankle sprain looks very likely there, and those are usually, you know, a little bit longer time than than just a rolled ankle. As we, you know, I've done them, and I'm sure you've done them playing. So it was a pretty boring game. Otherwise, you know, Lewandowski didn't look uh, look good. Rafinha was pretty ho hum. uh, If if he did anything, to be honest, Um, Jao Felix when he came on was pretty poor. (sighs) This team is so strange, Daniel. and We've talked about it all season. Just they they don't look like the old Barcelona's, and so. Even though they're, yes, we're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're only eight points behind Madrid and maybe they have a, an outside, outside shot at this. It's very unlikely. Uh, and, and this was just a really boring, boring watch, but a good performance for Bill Bao, who's had a very long week uh, emotionally and just on the field. So a good point for them at home.
0: Absolutely. And just to get to, you know, fourth place, Atletico Madrid get a much needed win against Betis after a dreadful week and a half, I'd say. Um, Two wins and six is not very ideal for Simeone's men. They're missing Griezmann pretty bad, but a, to get a win against a high flying Betis is a big result here for the La Liga table. Um, one last question for La Liga I wanted to pose to you is Is the year, your Europe, excuse me, like places kind of decided with Betis in that Europa Conference League spot? Or do you think Real Sociedad, you know, maybe having, um, I don't know, just a little bit of Champions League and other fixtures kind of being lined up. Do you think they'll be able to catch up to this soon?
1: I think the best thing that can happen for Real Sociedad on Wednesday, Tuesday, God, Tuesday, they're already playing again, is they they lose to PSG and get knocked out. Um, They're not going to win. They're not going to win Champions League. No matter what, of course, you want to keep going. There's there's financial ramifications if you get to the next round, no doubt about that. But they're not going to win it. Um, and so from that lens, if they get knocked out now, they they still have an outside shot of catching Betis. Of course, they're only two points back. Betis losing today uh, against Atleti was was not helpful for Betis's cause. I do think that Sociedad. The longer they stay in, in multiple competitions, of course, they lost to Mallorca and the Copa del Rey as well. And they're just going to run out of gas, but it's a, it's a tight race there. I mean, two, two points, um, you know, that's really the only spot because Betty's eight points behind Bilbao is probably not going to happen. So you're really looking at a, a two horse race, uh, you know, pa- uh, Las Palmas are not far behind and neither is Valencia, but yeah, I mean, long story short, I, I do think Betty's sneaks into that last spot, but Sociedad has the players, um, they can do it if they can just find a way.
0: Absolutely. Um, to go to Serie A, enter. Um, do you play tomorrow against Genoa? But that kind of first place is all wrapped up. But Milan do beat Lazio at the death um, on Friday. Three red cards in this match. You would thought they were playing WWE, the video game, and not football on a pitch with just how, you know, all the melees going back and forth. But that was a big, a big win for Pioli's men. Um, I thought Lazio's players completely lost their heads, especially at the end. And, you know, one of the biggest storylines on this pod, at least, is substitutes. And Pioli has gained the most points from substitutes off the bench this year in Serie A to date, with Okafor scoring the winner here. And now they are only two points from Juventus, who we'll get to in a second, but as they drop points today.
1: Yeah, I mean, (sighs) Lazio are tough. They, You know, again, they play midweek was at their focus. You know, a lot of these teams are, you're looking at that. You have to look at it that way too, right? Because there's some bigger, bigger initiatives for some of these teams. Of course, Lazio in ninth place is really not going to do much in, in La Liga. Um, and so that, you know, they can really kind of focus on Bayern Munich. Uh, If they, if they advance, that's a big deal for them again, financially with everything that happens in, in, in Italy, if you're not aware, Italian teams have been very, very stingy on, on finances of late, just because a lot of the teams are not making money. It was a pretty big initiative by the Federation for them not to be, you know, spending money left and right, like the Reals and and Barcelona. So if they were to, to advance, not only is it a big, you know, scalp that they would get for knocking out Byron, but it's a big financial boost to their, their revenue, and then you look at them kind of sitting in that, you know, maybe that the ceiling for them is sixth, um, six points behind Atalanta now. So that to me, that's kind of where Milan took advantage of it. Again, we've talked about how they're only one point behind Juventus, and, and can they catch them for second place? Uh, and, and kind of, you know, there's there's no shot at Inter. Um, you know, thirteen points behind with Inter have a game a game to play. So yeah, I, this was a this was kind of one of those games that you really didn't didn't expect too much just because both teams don't have too much to play for. And um, you know, Milan gets it because they have, they have more talent. Absolutely.
0: Juventus, we mentioned um, lost in Napoli and Napoli are kind of getting hot. They might be a little bit back. They looked reinvigorated today under their new manager, Calzona. Um, it was a crazy game. Juventus did lack the cutting edge. They missed multiple, multiple chances. Um, but it was all decided when Oseman was fouled. Inside the box, um, did not convert the pin, but Raspadori came in and, and finished it off to win the match. And Shelia and Osman continue to carry Napoli even a season after they've won the title. But that's just a testament to those two players. And I'm looking forward to see where they're going to end up um, in the summer.
1: Yeah, we, we touched on it. I mean... Juve is just such a hard watch and, and the leg ball is really difficult. Weson McKinney, of course, being out with the dislocated shoulder. Um, you know, Valovich didn't have his partner in crime up there up top. But uh, you know, they gave him a chance. Uh you mentioned the PK that changed the game. And now you know, Juventus is is a a, a game away from really kind of making this season be more of a disappointment for them than it should have been. Um, not that they probably were gonna win the league, but they had a chance, an outside shot about a month ago, right? Where it was only you know, four or five points. And now all of a sudden the gap is is 12 with a game in hand for Inter who play tomorrow against Genoa. Um, And so that could be even, uh, you know, a a 15 point lead. Um, If you're Napoli too little, too late, unfortunately, Um, you know, three managers in the season, this talent that we've talked about and and just the way that they hung, the hangover, you know, the timing runs out on that. Still a big game against, uh, against Barcelona. That they could advance in the champions league for again similar to nap to to lazio kind of where their their head is at for this point because they do have the talent to go and make a, a little bit of a run in the champions league maybe get to a, a quarterfinal or a semi-final uh which would be a big deal for them and, and i you know but they i don't foresee them getting up to bologna in fourth maybe they can catch roma in fifth but that's really the height height for them
0: you mentioned bologna they actually deal a huge blow to atalanta um who remained fourth and in, in sixth place? Bologna and unbeaten in seven matches. They've had a gauntlet of a stretch in those seven matches. They're four points ahead of Roma and five points behind Milan. I won't talk about it too much because I've talked about them a lot on recent shows. But Tiago Mota with Jonathan or Jonathan Zersky and Lewis Ferguson are just steamrolling Serie A right now, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. Now, Roma as well that I mentioned, they take care of business with a Monza win. And I, I happen to notice that Lukaku now has scored double digits in 11 straight seasons. He's 30 years old. So from 19 years old to 30, he's backed double digit seasons. That is wild for me. But I mean, he's definitely going to go down as one of the better strikers of this generation. And they also have, you know, played 10 matches and only lost one of their last 10. So DeRossi ball is, is clicking for sure. Now just wanted to quickly touch on the rest of the world, PSG, Monaco tie in the Ligue 1 and Mbappe gets hooked at halftime, probably to rest for the UCL match, but he goes and doesn't sit on the bench. He goes and sits with his entourage and his mother in the stands as a French fan, as a PSG fan. how do you feel about that action?
1: The whole thing is strange. To be quite honest, uh, Luis Enrique said that the reason why we took him off is uh, because we have to get to know how to play without him going forward. Um, And and if any anyone knows Luis Enrique, he does his own thing. He he kind of beats to his own drum, does what he wants. No one's going to tell him what to do. But it's still a weird one that a player gets pulled and goes and sits in the stands. um, You know, would have liked to have seen him play a little bit harder. Maybe had a little bit of sweat and kind of not want to sit next to his family although they, they obviously have showers and stuff in the locker room but um, a weird dynamic uh, of course he's he's checked out at this point they they're going to win the league so to to Luis Enrique's point you know otherwise if they're not competing for the Champions League kind of give some new guys a chance to, to shine and see what they have and again you know he's gone and if things get a little tighter in the league then you you bring him in and you probably get three points in, in advance but you know 10 points clear in in the 10 plus points Clearing in the league let him do what he wants you know that, that's kind of for me he's off he's moving that's that's the end of the Mbappe story in Paris
0: yeah second through fifth place is separated by four points so we'll keep an eye or five points so we'll keep an eye on kind of who is going to be getting closer to those UCL spots in another episode but just another big game that happened around um, the world PSV and Feyenoord drew two two, so that was a surprising fixture for me. I thought fine or PSV would definitely win that game at home, so that was a bit surprising. Um, and there was one more that I wanted to mention here: um, Porto beat Benfica five 0 today, and Benfica just came off a loss to um, Sporting Lisbon in the Portuguese Cup. So Benfica's fumbling a little bit. We'll see if they bounce back in Europa League. Um, which we're going to preview in a second. Um, you ready for previews? I don't have a nap game for you. Um, there's definitely
1: a nap game in there. I'm sure of it. I'm sure there's one that you found somehow.
0: Only one way to find out, Matt. Let's get Let's into do it. it. Let's do it. We're, we'll go over UCL slate first. Bayern, Lazio. Who do you think?
1: Uh, aggregate right now is 1-0 Lazio going into this one. Um, at Byron as well. At Byron as well. This is hard. 1-0 Bayern in the game, and they advance on penalties.
0: Wow. Okay. So you think Lazio go, goes kind of bold here. I like it. I'm going to go Bayern 1-0 win. No, 1-0 win, and then they win in extra time to make it 2-1. That's that's my prediction. Yeah, I have the same. Um,
1: I just have them in penalties. All the, I have it all the way to penalties. But yeah, same Le- thing.
0: Leipzig host Madrid, who is down... I think one nil right now. I'm going to have to check that just to make sure the aggregate.
1: Yeah. Either way. I, I, it doesn't matter. I think Real Madrid have enough firepower and they've been, they're going to be pissed off after the way that this finished uh, yesterday in the league. So uh, probably two nil win for Madrid, even though it's on the road. Um, I, I, do I take that they back.
0: They are hosting Leipzig. So that changes things either way.
1: They're still going to win it.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go two one here at home. Um, City play Copenhagen at home with a 3 1 aggregate. Do they rest for Liverpool or do they go ahead and make sure this this draw is done and dusted?
1: Uh, this this draw is already done and dusted. So I don't think it matters if they rest players here. Um, it's at home. They're still going to win 2 0, uh, probably at, at minimum. But this is at 3 1, this is pretty much already over.
0: Gotcha. I'm going to say it's going to be a 3 2 game but city will win. Um Sporting versus Atalanta, a great Europa League match here.
1: Sporting. I'll take Sporting in this one. Um it's the start of this this leg of games and so I don't you know I don't have much to much to add to that other than Sporting
0: scoreline. 2-0 I'm going to go 3 2 sporting win as well. Um, Marseille versus Villarreal, another great Europa League matchup.
1: Villarreal scored five today against Granada. Um, I think go they did Marseille. Two, that's yeah, true. Still, I'll take Villarreal 2 to 1.
0: I'm going to say Marseille win this 2 to 1, opposite score lines, but same result here. Um, Roma, Brighton.
1: Roma, Brighton. Roma, 1-0. That's the nap game, by (sighs) the way. The way way Brighton's playing.
0: Going 2-0. Roma win here. And then for the Europa Conference League, Ajax versus Aston Villa at Ajax.
1: Aston Villa,
0: 2-1. I'm going to go Aston Villa, 3-1. at ix a bold game right there but that is the end of the prediction show before you leave if you're still listening thank you so much um don't forget to go to our youtube subscribe like the videos we have coming out i will be dropping x of the week on tuesday the betting show has been postponed to tomorrow because we're still waiting on two legs of the parlay so that will come out monday night um follow the full-time roundup on x like you know like interact with us we'd love to hear from you what you think we missed what you want us to talk about artless for all streaming platforms go ahead and give us a rating five star and download and re-download all episodes so we can get some good metrics thank you again for listening and enjoy the champions league slate